Hey everybody, this is Kyle Lott for Desks and Dorks. I just wanted to throw in a quick little audio intro to this episode because it's something we didn't get a chance to talk about during the episode, but we are going to be going live in February for our brand new role-playing game, The Fear Within. It can be played as either a one-shot or a campaign, and you play this game in pairs with one person as the child, a human being who is trying to navigate the world that is often far more terrifying for them than it would be for others, and the other player is using the entity, which which is a powerful monster trapped within the body of this child, and they need this human being to help them actually use their powers and interact with the world around them. These two beings are forced to work together against a powerful creature called The Fear, um, and this is a storytelling game that uses our fantastic role-playing game system, which is the Vessel System. So if you were a fan of our work that was part of the free RPG Day anthology, then you can you can rest assured that this is going to be a fantastic game, and I really hope that you guys will give this a shot and give it a chance on Kickstarter. Anyway, with that out of the way, enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Desks and Dorks. It's your favorite board game design and creation podcast that, as always, is shaped by you. We bring you the best in indie tabletop gaming. I'm Kyle Ott. I am the dork to Riley's desk and today i'm writing solo let's be real here it's 2023 you guys did not expect riley and i to have a solo episode right after or a, a together episode right after another together episode right uh but you know he's back at the ikea mothership and he's loving it and i'm kind of glad that i get to ride solo today because something that riley did piqued my curiosity and my interest see riley got to do a whole episode on the open gaming license and if you're unfamiliar with what that is, or if you've been living under a rock, or if you're a novice to the tabletop industry, allow me to explain. The largest, I do mean largest, role-playing game in the entire world is, of course, Dungeons & Dragons. Um, although you could be, uh, you know, understandably mistaken after the rain, our one-shot tabletop role-playing game, which you can go ahead and you can get yourself a copy on uh, Indie Press Revolution. But all joking aside, the biggest RPG in the world is, of course, Dungeons & Dragons. It's, it's no contest. The game is massive. It's huge. And it's attained a sort of cultural cachet that is really hard to replicate. Now, here's the thing, though. For years, something called the Open Gaming License has been helping to drive forward that growth. Now, if you are a novice and you aren't familiar with what that is, the Open Gaming License is an agreement between Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro, who are the rights holders and copyright owners of Dungeons & Dragons, and individual content creators. It essentially means that you, if you're an artist or a graphic designer or a writer or a storyteller, can make content for Dungeons & Dragons in its current edition without being sued by the legal team of Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro. It's essentially allowed players and artists and homebrewers and a whole bunch of creatives to really sort of shape Dungeons & Dragons into the kind of game that they want to make it into. And it's been a really impressive and really interesting thing to have happen. Um, the one, and I keep wanting to call it the one gaming license, but the open gaming license is responsible for really helping to drive forward an unprecedented amount of cultural growth around Dungeons and Dragons. And recently, all of that's kind of gone by the wayside. Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro has decided to uh, pull the open gaming license and uh, not really allow content creators and other people to make content for their game anymore, which is hugely detrimental to the community and to the fate of the game itself. Um, however, you know, we're not really here to talk about that. Actually, Riley and I have talked about that in depth already. We've talked about that once on the deskies, and of course we've talked about it when Riley did his solo episode on the very same topic. But what I'm here to discuss is not the impact of or the importance of the open gaming license. No, 
because I, like many of you, am a little bit uh, disenfranchised, uh, disgusted, a little angry, perhaps, that this is what has happened as a result of, uh, let's just call it what it is, which is just corporate greed and maybe perhaps a, a lack of oversight or understanding on what makes your game special in the first place. But with all of these bad things comes unprecedented opportunity. And as someone who has spent the vast majority of the last two years kind of being over Dungeons and Dragons and really trying to convince other people to jump ship with me and try something new and try something different, I gotta tell you, as much of a bummer as it is that Wizards of the Coast is choosing to run things like this, I'm really happy that we finally, finally get an opportunity to maybe try some new stuff and maybe, just maybe, I can introduce a whole bunch of other people to uh, the games and the RPGs that I have fallen in love with that aren't Dungeons & Dragons related. And that's really what this episode is going to be all about. This is going to be an episode about new games to try, new RPGs to try, if you have not already had a chance to try them. And if you're one of those people that's kind of sick of and maybe a little bit done with the way that Wizards of the Coast has been running their flagship uh, product for the last couple years. So, with all of that said, let's jump into it. First things first, I want to acknowledge some of the absolute classics. These are the best ones in the genre. They get talked about a lot, so I don't want to spend too much time on them, but I would be remiss not to mention them at all. So, let's start there. First things first, I want to give mad shout-out and mad props to my all, one of my all-time favorites. I don't know if it is still my all-time favorite, but it's certainly up there. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about fiasco that's right jason morningstar's original classic if you are a fan of heist movies uh, anything that the coen brothers has, have ever done or if you're really interested in what happens when a horrible plan uh, goes completely and totally awry then you are absolutely going to love fiasco it is a game that transformed the way that i look at rpgs and it continues to do so again one of the absolute best rpgs that i have ever played huge huge fan of it uh, if you're also going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, wanting a really good one-shot system or a system that is immediately intriguing, immediately interesting, and has a wonderful little uh, narrative conceit in the form of it doesn't really use dice, but it does use a Jenga tower, uh, then of course you have to talk about Epidiah Ravishal's Dread. It is one of the most interesting games and probably is my favorite introduction to the world of RPGs post Dungeons and Dragons. It really is one of those things that I, I don't think you could ever uh, you, you could ever actually get away from or ever actually want to get away from if you're one of those people that is interested in and intrigued by RPGs. Last but certainly not least, um, I, you know it's the elephant in the room. It is the uh, you know the thing that uh, has helped spawn a, a brand new and almost entire publishing empire i would be remiss if i didn't of course talk about pathfinder uh, pathfinder for those of you who are unfamiliar is a role-playing game setting uh, that originally took its uh, inspiration from third edition uh, dungeons and dragons and as a result uh, sort of became a brand new system uh, in and of itself it is a phenomenal game and a phenomenal uh, really interesting phenomenal system and, uh, yeah, if you're interested in playing something that feels very much like, um, you know, feels very similar to, 
uh, Dungeons and Dragons in any way, shape, or form, uh, then you know you, you should probably go ahead and you should probably give yourself a chance to try, um, you know, try uh, try some Pathfinder. I think you'd probably really enjoy it. Okay. With that being said, however, let's have a conversation about some more interesting ones uh, that you could potentially try and that are really interesting. Um, I have picked a couple of these. I tried to skew away from games that get talked about quite a bit, and I want to talk about games that have more of a thematic experience that are more interested in and intrigued by, uh, you know, just just how interesting they are, how interesting everything else is for them. Uh, That's what I want to talk about. And so the first one I want to talk about is a very simple RPG that is completely and totally free to play. Um, this one is called They All Die at the End. This is available for a free download. It is absolutely totally free. It is a horror-themed RPG uh, in the same vein as Dread. If you want to try this, this is excellent for a number of different reasons. Number one, uh, it is a very simple, very easy-to-play uh, particular game. It is a horror-themed game, and essentially all you have to do when you're making your characters is that you are going to choose three things that your character is defined by. Uh, these things are something your character is good at, something your character is okay at, and something your character is bad at. And those are the things that you're going to have to use when you're talking about this particular game. Now, moving on beyond that point, well, what else is you know, really interesting about this particular title? What I really like um, about this particular game is that not only, right, not not only do you have, uh, you know, a, a lovely little game that's really easy to make your characters for, but at the beginning of the game, you actually wind up writing uh, your characters' names on scraps of paper, and then your GM selects one person, or selects a person, I should say, um, to be a part of your little game, and uh, that person is going to die at the end of the at the end of the tale, um, unfortunately for everybody else, they're, they're, that character is going to perish. The character will no longer be allowed, uh, no longer be a member of the living, as it were. Um, and this tension uh, that sort of builds up as a result of this, I think, is really interesting and really intriguing. Um, it's one of the things that I think makes it really good. I would not recommend this for somebody who is brand new to running a role playing game. So, like, if you are someone who has a little bit of experience. I think you would absolutely love it. You would benefit greatly um, from having this particular game. But it's really interesting, really intriguing, and I I think you would probably wind up enjoying it quite a bit. Uh, That is, they all die at the end. Now, I also mentioned Mr. Epidiah Ravishol, who, and I really hope I'm saying that right, Epi, (laughs) because I got to play a role-playing game with him. And uh, actually, this is one of my picks for one of the most interesting role-playing games that I have ever played. And this is Swords Without Master. Swords Without Master is a swords and sorcery game that really kind of plays out uh, like a tale around a campfire. You make these characters. These characters have uh, basically things that they are interested in, things that kind of uh, define who they are. Um, Every scene has a mood. It's either jovial or somber. Um, those are the moods that you get um, as a result of some of some of the things that you have. So, for example, maybe, uh, you know, if you're somebody like, uh, you know, you're in the middle of doing something really interesting. Um, you know, that's a terrible example. Let me try something else. Uh, 
a, f- a tavern brawl among good buddies where everyone is just slugging it out and having a good old-fashioned time. People are knocking over drinks, and, you know, everyone's a little bit like, aha, we're drinking great ale and also fighting with one another. The mood of that scene can become jovial. However, like, let's say in the middle of this scuffle, by accident, someone is stabbed to death, and all of a sudden the mood becomes somber. And so basically this uh, game flip-flops between uh, a somber and a jovial mood and it's up to you the characters and the people who are playing the game to really make that interesting and to see how that sort of pops where the game really excels however is in its dice system there is only one dice that is used for the entire game it is a d6 so if you are a dice gremlin maybe you don't necessarily want to use this particular game but what's interesting about this is that when you hand the dice to a player um, you are giving them the opportunity to set the scene to do the scene and what's interesting is that you can ask them a question ask them to define some aspect of the world or some aspect of what's going on in it so for example uh, when i played swords without master my character and another character were really good friends and you know we had sort of uh build this really interesting uh relationship with one another he was like this big golem made out of meteor metal and i was this like low thief who just for whatever reason the two of us had sort of felt like forged this bond with one another and you know one one of the things that happened was he was like oh man i you know i lost my powers or i lost something and i handed him the dice and he said well i asked him well all right you know, I want to know how, or he handed me the dice and he said, how does your character take care of my character? Um, after a really stressful time, show me how our friendship impacts the way that we interact with one another. Or another great example, we had teamed up, uh, with, you know, we'd all, there was a sort of the bands getting back together moment and everyone's riding off to go face this unknown danger, threatening to overrun the kingdom. And, Um, I had this idea that our party meets up at this old tavern that we used to go to when we were younger and full of hope and we were all exciting and, 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 you know, vibrant young adventurers. And, you know, we're all old and grizzled and like basically retired at this point. And I really loved that idea, but I, I basically was like, yeah, we stashed something together. We stashed something in the rafters of this tavern And it's going to help us do it. And then my mind completely went blank. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have no clue what is going to go there or what I even, you know, want to be a part of that. I literally just story told myself into a corner. Um, whoops, I don't know what to do. (laughs) I wonder what I should try. And what was awesome about that was then I actually got to hand the dice off to our GM and I said, show me what we hid in the rafters all those years ago that's going to help us overthrow our enemy. And everyone at the table, and I say table, we were playing over the Zoom call, was like, oh, snap. What I love about this particular game is it really does lend itself to those cool storytelling moments because, and I love this as somebody who is kind of the forever GM of my group. It's amazing to be able to lean on the storytelling chops and the abilities of your fellow players. And if you're somebody like me that grew up and really loved, um, you know, things like Conan the Barbarian and classic sword and sorcery, then you know what? You're probably really going to enjoy Swords Without Master. 
Now, another game that managed to pop up that I absolutely love, this one is out of print, but you can still manage to track down the original rules for it online for free um, or for very, very cheap. I believe Green Ronin Publishing is still selling the PDFs of this. This is the Dragon Age RPG system. Now, if you were, again, like me, and you really love the the, the system of uh, Dragon Age, and I do love the system of Dragon Age, um, then one of the things that you're really going to enjoy is this particular game. It feels like D&D, but the character creation is very fast, and it feels very impactful. Not every character is going to feel the same, and it's really impossible to kind of optimize all of the characters that you might potentially want. Now, here's the thing. Some people um, might not like that particular thing. They might not like that system. Um, but here's the thing that I really enjoyed because the characters aren't optimized and because the, uh, I guess the, how do I put this? The themes of those characters isn't optimized. You know, it forces you to role play a little bit more, which I thought was really cool. It was really interesting to have to be able to role play these games and these systems with those particular player, with those particular characters. Like you have, like you can't just make the best you know, sneaky dwarf rogue imaginable. Maybe your dwarf has like a peg leg and maybe they're on the run from their old merchant family, but maybe it turns out they're actually pretty good at scouting despite the fact that they're, you know, limping along at a, at a weird pace. Um, it creates these really organic storytelling moments that I really enjoyed. And I think that's one of the things that I loved the most about this particular game. Actually, that's a bold-faced lie because what I like the most about this particular game is that in this game, you have access, and I love this part so much, you have access to what was called the stunt system. So when you are playing this game, you roll uh, three or two six-sided dice or three six-sided dice. Um, and if two of them match, you get the value of the other colored dice. So for example, um, if you are playing, let's say, um, like a rogue maybe. A rogue is an interesting choice. Um, like if you're playing like a thief of some kind, um, then you're going to be able to do uh, or get the ability, right, to use these stunt points in a different way. So you could, so let's say you get like two threes and then like on your regular colored dice and you get like a five points on the green colored dice. It means you have five stunt points to spend. The more stunt points you have, the more stuff you can do. Um, you can go and move at extra speeds. You can go get extra actions. Sometimes you can like instantly eviscerate like a lower health uh, hit point person. And you can stack these stealth point, these stunt points to make some ridiculous stuff happen. Um, the game is really interesting. It's really intriguing. Um, I love the combat system. And if you're in the market for a dark, gritty role-playing game system, uh, this was an amazing one to do. And I really enjoyed it. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Jason Morningstar again. Let's say you're somebody who wants a little more introspection. Let's say you really like the idea of telling a story about loss and love and the passage of time. Can I interest you in the skeletons? Uh, this is one of the weirdest games that I've played. We played it on Boys Week when myself and a couple of the guys uh, who are you know contributors to Desks and Dorks and also just some good friends uh, decided we we're going to take a week off in the summer and do a bunch of cool stuff. And one of the things that we did was we played The Skeletons by Jason Morningstar. Uh, this casts you as skeletons, sentient skeletons that are all designed to uh, fight and protect a tomb. And it begins with all of you sort of decorating your skeletons and drawing them out and then drawing a map of the tomb that you inhabit. And it's so strange because you turn the lights off at the beginning of each scene 
And then when another scene starts, you flick the lights back on. Everyone in unison must say, Arise and protect the tomb, skeletal guardians. And as time passes, you become weaker. Your The necromantic magic that holds you together um, stops functioning nearly as well. And time, uh, for everyone else, progresses uh, you know, at, at the standard clip. So, for example, in the beginning of one of our games, you know, we were battling and, and we were holding our own against, um, you know, refugees who were, who were, you know, trying to use our tomb for shelter and tomb robbers who were looking for a quick buck and army deserters that were there. But as time progressed and we started coming up against enemies with, like, powerful steel weapons and then eventually gunpowder, uh, we found ourselves getting outclassed. And the whole point about the skeletons is realizing that it is the journey and not the destination. It is the knowledge that your skeleton is going to die a second death, and that that's actually okay. That's kind of a part of the charm of this particular game, and I really loved that. Um, if you're somebody who's not interested in the journey, um, if you want a destination-focused RPG, this probably isn't going to be for you, but if you're like me and you're interested in what great storytelling can do and what amazing storytelling looks like, you know... I gotta recommend The Skeletons by Jason Morningstar. And last but certainly not least, let's talk about two games that I are, they do get mentioned a lot. But man, I just love them to bits. Let's talk about Blades in the Dark and then Blades of the Legion. Um, these are two really interesting games for two really different reasons. Uh, Blades of the Legion casts you as the members of an elite military unit. It is band of brothers told through the fantasy lens as you are trying to make one final stand against an apocalyptic army. What I love about this particular game is that it casts the players as multiple characters. So on a macro level, you are playing as... Uh, the quartermaster, the general, the spy master, these unnamed um, big commanding officer figures within the first legion, the legion of warriors um, that really are trying to like make that final stand. But then you're also playing as the named soldiers who are engaging in squad by squad missions. And that's really what I love about this particular game, because it makes everyone kind of feel like they have a great degree of control over what the story is doing. And it also um, is really interesting because it allows the players to sort of take on a more personal role as these soldiers. Now, full disclosure, I've never played Blades of the Legion or Blades in the Dark. I've only ever watched people play them, and I'm still going to recommend them because even watching those games, it was some of the most fun that I have ever experienced. And last but certainly not least, we have to talk about Blades in the Dark. It casts you as a down and out member of a street gang in a city protected by lightning ghosts. Um, it's how... Uh, this this game and the setting are so freaking cool, but it's not as cool as my favorite thing, which is that the flashback setting exists. So whenever your characters, whenever your characters are doing anything, what's awesome, pardon me, is that you actually can call for a flashback. You can say flashback, right, as you're sneaking into a... Um, you know, like into a, a party or into a, a salon or whatever. And you could be like, flashback, I bribed the person that runs this establishment to let me stash a crossbow underneath there. And you basically just get to call flashbacks. You don't get to call them all the time. Um, that's not really what the thing is for. Um, but you do get the ability to do it every so often. And it, it winds up making it a really interesting and really intriguing storytelling experience. All of the character classes are really interesting, really intriguing, really kind of cool um and I, I think that's what makes this really interesting and and uh, kind of an awesome game to try 
And with that being said, that is a bunch of different RPGs that you can try if, like me, you're ready to move on and you're ready to try something else after Dungeons and Dragons. I hope this has been awesome for you guys. I love talking about RPGs. If you would like to see us play any of these RPGs on the channel or for Desks and Dorks content, let me know. Uh, we would love to do a playthrough of a bunch of these. I know I have been itching uh, to actually try my hand at running a game of Blades of the Legion as opposed to just being an innocent bystander, and I would love to play the skeletons again, or, uh, you know, Swords Without Master. Maybe we can get Epidiah Ravishol on here. I mean, the guy made Dread and then made Swords Without Master. I feel like that's going to be kind of sick. So, in any case, folks, I'm Kyle Lott for Desks and Dorks. You have all been just absolutely awesome. Um, and one more quick thing. I know the open gaming license has been a thing that a lot of people are stressed out about, and a lot of people are worried about the fate and the future, of Dungeons and Dragons, but I'm here to tell you right now, role-playing games in general are here to stay, and they might look a lot different in the next couple years than they have before, but I have gotten to watch this hobby grow and grow and grow and grow, like from the time that I was a 15-year-old playing this game and making maps out of poster board to now being a 29-year-old who owns his own you know, role-playing game company, I've watched this thing grow and explode and sort of take over the popular zeitgeist, and it's amazing because now I can walk down to my coffee shop and there's a group of people playing Dungeons and Dragons and I've never imagined that that would be a thing that would even be possible. So yes, is it going to look different? Absolutely. Is it going to be strange and maybe even a little bit scary for some people and some hobbyists and some companies? Absolutely. But you know what? Uh, this is a group of people that is passionate about what it does and is interested in making compelling experiences and incredible opportunities for storytelling. And I got to be honest, with or without Dungeons and Dragons, role-playing games are going to be fine. They're going to be better than fine, actually. They're going to be amazing. And I, for one, am super excited to see what kind of new ground gets broken by people who are willing to try and experiment and do different things. So, take that for what it's worth. And until next time, I'm Kyle Ott for Desks and Dorks. You all have been amazing. I'll talk to you later. Peace. Hey everyone, Kyle again. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. It would mean the absolute world to Riley and I if you could do a quick click notify me for Fear Within over at Kickstarter. Again, that is Fear Within over on Kickstarter. Thank you all so much again for all of your amazing support. We really appreciate it, and I'll see you next time. Peace. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.